right, folks. Welcome back to another special episode of one of your favorite paranormal shows in the paranormal universe. That's right. Just from that ex- that brief description, you know what we got here for you today. We got another episode of Mostly Ghostly for you. Me and Ray are always, it's always a pleasure, me and Ray talk about being able to just come and give you guys a show. It's so cool and so fun and so ghostly. Um, me and Ray have been hard at work at something in the behind the scenes for y'all. Uh, something very cool coming soon. Um, we'll have more info on that in the future. You know what I mean? Ray, how you doing over there? Not bad. How about you? I'm doing not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. Things are all right. Real crappy kind of day out here. Uh, poor, it was like raining all day, which I like it. People call it crappy. I enjoy it. I just like to sleep through the rain. Makes me feel good. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, I got, got a little sun peeking through now. Yeah? Yeah, somebody was, we had hail not too long ago, too, like last week. People were complaining about that. But this isn't a weather show, so we're not going to go there. This isn't mostly weatherly. This is mostly ghostly. Um, today's episode, you know, when we were looking at the schedule, looking at the books, we, uh, we, we, we recognize that this week's episode falls on 420, which is, you know, uh, it's known for a few things, to, to, to tell you the truth. I think a lot of folks out there might know that. Mainly in the friendliest form of 420, I think 420 kind of represents uh, the national weed smoking day. You know what I mean? And I know a lot of spirits like like to get lifted out there. So we wanted to kind of do a little fun little uh, romp into the old uh, paranormal marijuana world that exists out there in the underbelly. You know what I mean? I've seen them. But uh, yeah, uh, before, you know, the 420 deal, uh, I was saying before, you know, there's two, there's two other big things that 420 is known for. April 20th uh, is known for. Now, Ray, you said you didn't, you weren't familiar with those other two big things, right? Nope. Okay. So one, if 420, April 20th is the birthday of Adolf Hitler, you know what I mean? Um, which is, uh, you know, they're both, they both, the, both of these come with a heaviness to them. Um, and then the second one, 420, April 20th, bada boo, bada bang, was the date of in 1999. It was the date of Columbine High School Massacre, um, which very tragic. And, you know, people were going to school, shooting people uh, for a long time. Jeremy's uh, Jeremy's spoken class again type stuff. Some Pearl Jam references for people out there. And uh, but Columbine was the first one that I think was a really big body count. At least it got maybe it had to do a lot with the media, too, because. It was all over the news, and if I remember correctly, the news cameras were there in the, during the standoff, like when it was live. So, like, you know, but, I mean, live live broadcasting goes all the way back to Waco and such, so it's not a big, you know, deal with that. But, yeah, the, the Columbine, big deal, 420. But we're, today on the show, we're going to – realistically, we could tap into all, the, all three of those things, but we're going to go with the more uplifting – uh, theme, which is the marijuana thing. And it's funny because people will say, you know, they they smoke weed and they feel enlightened. They feel almost, you know, like they can, they, they're interdimensional uh, mentally, you know what I mean, and stuff. And they feel like it can uh, do things for them other than give them the munchies, you know what I mean? But I know, Ray, back maybe in your days, back in your youth, back in the college years, post-Columbine years, um, might have smoked some marijuana leaves. I may have smoked some myself in my day, and uh, it does. You do have kind of an enlightened feel, not so much enlightened, maybe. And I, I you know, I do think there is like an enlightened thing to it. You get a little, you get a little high. You know what I mean? Uh, makes you laugh and giggle and stuff. But I do think that it's good to kind of slow things down a little bit and really kind of look at a situation, maybe step out of a situation and look at it from a, an outsider's opinion to a degree. Um, now, was I wrong saying that you might have partaked earlier in life, or is that true? 
Well, not going into details, but uh, I'm old enough that my generation was known for uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yes. That's true. I didn't want to just say that, that. I just didn't want to say that that's what it was. But And, you know, back when you were in that generation was practicing those things, uh, all of which I think bring you to, like, an enlightened state. Do you ever have any personal stories of maybe, like, a marijuana situation um, helping anything with like a get a, getting a vibe, or do you think it's do you personally think it's more of a clouding up the the atmosphere for actual interaction with the other side? I think it has to be used very carefully, depending upon the strength and the type that you use. It can inhibit or give you false uh, ideas. But I was doing some research, including medical studies that they did. And uh, the, and I always get this wrong, indica, I think it is. Yeah. I want to say, I want to say indicia, but that's with printing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Indica, which relaxes the body and the mind um, with very little of the, very little head trip. Has a similar effect to what deep meditation does in relaxing the body and the mind, which can open the mind up. Yeah. Because it's not busy anymore thinking about a thousand different things going on in your day, your week, your job, whatever. And so you become very relaxed and much more open. And that would be a good time for someone to uh, meditate, um, explore different venues. I'm not saying go out and do stuff. But I'm saying, yeah, I could see where that would very much make it easy for someone to... uh, connect with or perceive better once they shut their mind down yeah, and the day-to-day is gone. Yeah, you get, with, with your, your strains there, you mainly get indica and sativas. Indica, like you said, has a relaxing effect. You experience like a body buzz preferred for night use. And then your sativa, uh, people feel more energetic, hallucinogenic, preferred uh, for day use type situations. I think that hallucinogenic, yeah. I was going to say it's interesting because, uh, well, we have that uh, energy channeling seminar on Mostly Ghostly, and I believe I said it several times there, but when doing mediumship and when I used to teach it, uh, what I used to tell people is don't try. You have to shut the mind off because you have to be open. Don't try. Don't think. Just let it happen. And if you're in that state where the... uh, Indica has caused you to relax. That could be a lot easier. You're not trying. You're more receptive. Yeah. I agree with you, too. There's probably a certain amount. Like, I do feel like there's a, maybe you get a, like a, like a, like the same way a meditation, it might work like that a little bit, help you fight, center yourself a little bit. Um, But I do, I agree with you with their amount. You know, you don't want to smoke a pound of weed to the point where you're, you know, laying on the ground and can't get off the ground. You want to probably do a light, almost like micro dosing, so to speak, where you probably just take a couple puffs or whatever. And it's a kind of a a smooth, you know, at one with the universe, nothing too turbulent, nothing too intense, nothing too, too mood altering. You know what I mean? Something to still kind of keep one foot in the regular and one foot in the, you know, the high zone, if you will. You know what I mean? So this, uh, Outside of weed, there are you've had mushrooms, uh, which is basically uh, psilocybin, peyote. There's that one in South America. I always say wrong. Ayahuasca or oh, ayahuasca, I think ayahuasca. Yeah. Uh, in different cultures, particularly Aboriginal ones, for a long while they did use drugs to shut the mind off and open it up to uh, other dimensions. So it's not it's not something new. It's just a different vehicle to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, you know a lot of people use it for medicinal uses uh, reasons. Native American tribes they got down with marijuana, right? Heavily, right? Uh, there's a thing called kanikanik. Yeah, and it's a mixture of herbs, uh, which has a somewhat similar effect. Yeah. Not identical, yeah. but but similar. And also there is among Wiccan and several other earth-based religions or belief systems, 
Um, they have different, there's a variety of different herbs that they use to get the same effect. Yeah. Yeah. I support that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you always, the peace pipe, you know, it, it, maybe it's just more of a Hollywood thing. You know, you got the, I think marijuana is very p- painted across the Native American culture heavily, you know what I mean? Because it, it is that, you know, it grows from the ground. You don't really have to manufacture it like other drugs, so to speak, you know what I mean? Quote, unquote, drugs type deal, which right now I think is pretty much legal uh, for the most part everywhere um, in the U.S. of A's and outside, um, which is good because I, I feel it's probably better for you than alcohol. You know what I mean? Alcohol is a little more, alcohol is a little more once you're in, in it, very hard to get out where I think <coughs> if you even get smoke a lot of weed, I think you can go for, you know, clear your, go out, get some fresh air, maybe throw some water on your face, cold water or something. And, uh, you know, 20 minutes later, you're, uh, you could be out of the woods or something like that. But with alcohol, it, it, you know, if it goes south, you you know, they're gonna put you in a casket, bury you in the earth type deal. You know what I mean? So, or other people, unfortunately, you know, alcohol. It's one of those things. that's not just it's a part. You know, you get behind a car, you're killing more than yourself. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. And with all those things, you got yourself, you got the victim, you got the victim's family, you got your family. A lot of people are involved in that sadness. You know what I mean? So let's get back to the, the happiness stuff. Like earlier, we'll go back to the happiness. Uh, now, you know, cannabis has long been identified as an ethiogen, a plant that can expand one's consciousness and insist in spiritual growth, Hindu status, Zaronizations, and Rastafarians. Rastafarian honor cannabis as a sacred tool. In Ayurveda, one of the world's oldest holistic healing systems, cannabis is understood as a divine healing plant connected with Lord Shiva. However, the Vedas caution that when used inappropriately or uh, recreationally, cannabis is a tantamount to a toxin. That's no good. So I'd say it's the equivalent to a toxin if you use it too much, huh? Uh, yeah, that's that can be with almost anything, but yeah. Right. The line between spiritual development and pleasure may be thin, especially when it comes to weed. But re- in recent years, we've seen the flowering of an elevated approach to cannabis consumption, which is reemphasizes its spiritual character. You know, all over the globe, cannabis is being combined with practices such as yoga, meditation, and mindfulness. You know, I do think, yeah, you don't want to get too, you don't, you don't need to get annihilated, but I think if, if you want to get annihilated, go for it. But I feel like it's more of a, um, a, a happy medical, you know what I mean? Where you're not getting blown, you're not getting blasted out, but you're getting like a glaze, so to speak. Um, an eye-opening glaze, maybe something to maybe, you know, get your chakras going a little, little more vibrating a little harder. Now, alongside these looser affiliations is the blossom, blossoming of semi-organized cannabis-based religions and churches. That's interesting. Including Canamast, the First Church of Cannabis in Indiana, uh, the International Church of Cannabis in Colorado, the First Cannabis Church of Florida, the Healing Church of Rhode Island, uh, the Coachella Valley Church of California, and the Hawaii uh, Cannabis Ministry. Most have also adopted creeds, and they emphasize love, unity, tolerance, equality, and kindness. I do think that we, like, the state that we'd put you in, you're more kind of happier, and you don't want to fight and have issues with people. You want everything to be smooth, more brotherly love. Um, I always thought that that might be a, play a little key element into this world peace thing that I don't think we'll ever have. I think that idea is kind of impossible, but I think if it was to be true, I think, uh, marijuana would have to play a part, be one of the uh, one of the things that go into that, I think. But I didn't realize there was these so many churches, which I, I feel I feel that it's a crazy crossover for it. But there's one in Rhode Island. We should venture out and check it out. I'll be done. Maybe we'll try and get them on the show for an interview. That'd be fun. Um, but I assume it's just probably whatever, you know, Christian, Catholic, whatever religion they're pushing, with weed, like instead of going and having your, you know, taking your the blood of Christ with the wine, with the grape juice, I think 
Um, maybe they smoke weed. You know what I mean? They smoke rooms. I wonder how they do this. I wonder if it's something where they actually smoke weed there or if it's just like you know, everybody's in the parking lot. It has the biggest, the biggest pre-gaming thing you've ever seen in church history. Uh, you go drive by the church an hour before church was about to go and all you see is just a bunch of little lighters popping off in cars. It's a beautiful sight. It just brings a tear to your eye. It's like a, like a Christmas uh, lighting display. Um, it's one of those things, you know, but uh, did you know about these, these cannabis churches? Is this new to, new to you too, or what's your take? Um, I'd heard about them. I never knew much about them. I don't know how they do it or how they incorporate it. How they operate. Yeah. I feel like it's probably just the same thing as any other church, except you smoke weed. It's interesting. Like I almost, I picture like a Cheech and Chong movie of a bunch of people passing around a big joint in church. You know what I mean? That's what I'm like picturing in my head. And it could be that, but I, I highly doubt that it is, you know, maybe they do edibles. It's weird uh, or not weird. I'd like to go, we should go do, do an on location examination. Uh, that's the name of the episode that we'll do. Now, these cannabis-based spiritual practices and communities honor the plant for providing a gateway to the divine through connection with self and others. And the earth, um, now, and the earth as well, of course. Elevationists at the aesthetically stunning International Church of Cannabis in Colorado, for example, venerate cannabis as the sacred flower to reveal the best version of self. Discover, discover a creative voice and enrich our community with the fruits of that cr- creativity. Getting the burps. Um, I do find a little truth in something like that. You know, I do. I think it's it could be dangerous because it it, it does have the, the thing for addiction. Like if somebody was to get a little culty with their church, I think it would be kind of a way to keep grasp of somebody that. Um, you know, otherwise might wander. But what distinguishes this new wave of spiritual cannabis consumers from those who smoke recreationally, claiming spiritual enlightenment, enlightenment as uh, as by the product. For starters, the new wave treats the plant as a sacrament, or refers to it as a teacher with uh, numinous messages to impart. Well, that could almost turn into a worship thing, right? That that kind of sounds a little like it might not be the best thing because at the end of the day, you are putting a substance in front of people that is going to make them feel better. So you 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 probably could have some weird worship thing develop, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Setting is a clear intention before smoking and consuming. It's vital. Ingesting cannabis is also often accompanied by a ceremony or ritual uh, and wreathing the plant with the divine. So they would, I guess they would, it'd be like, that's very ritualistic for sure. It's like you pray to put God in this weed. It sounds like you smoke the weed into your body. You take it in. You know what I mean? It's, I guess it's right up there with everything else they do, except when you leave that they, they still have all those crackers and juice because people get the munchies and the dry cotton mouths that they need to uh, tap into that stuff. Now, such a, philo- such a philosophy has been interpreted as an effort to curtail the recent communi- uh, commercialization of cannabis and reclaim its roots, so to speak. Since the green rush, cannabis is frequently mentioned in the same breath as market share as an industry. Cannabis spirituality champions a more holistic understanding of the plant in addition to its feel-good, curative, uh, and palliative qualities. Swami Chaitanya, a longtime cultivator in the Swami Select in the Emerald Triangle, is one such advocate of a more spiritual approach. What do you think of that, Ray? Uh... Done the right way, I could see why. Like I was saying, if it does uh, help you relax and help you put aside your day-to-day, then it might just leave you open enough for something more than just your stresses and help you be able to connect with your inner self. 
what did you take on my, uh, what's your take on that thing about the worship thing where you have this thing that you're taking in your, I mean, it's very, it's coming from God, of course, but I don't know. I feel like there's a weird line there where you could eat the, an addiction. It could be a bad thing almost. What's your take on that? I agree the potential for misuse is there. Yeah. Um, yes, it is a gift, but so uh, there are so many plants. Uh, many of our medicines now originally were in plant forms. Yeah. And they're all gifts. We're all part of the same planet, same world. Uh, you can pay respect to something by worship. I don't know. that. That's kind of a strong word. Yeah, I only took it in the the context of like they're holding it up, they're praying for God to go into it. They're it's almost like in by accident they're praising this plant instead of God type deal, you know. And then they take it in and they go, God's working through it, uh, the sacrament, you know what I mean? But I guess that's what the sacrament is, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it might be better if they were able to connect directly. Right. Uh, which is a, that's a very Gnostic view of uh, getting to know God instead of uh, using the plan as a crutch. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, to fully employ cannabis as a sacrament, the per, uh, precursor to lighting the joint would be to acknowledge the source of the divinity enshrined in the plant with the mantra, a prayer or a simple statement said Chatyanya. Another use would be to enlist its aid in the hailing of creative endeavor with specific statement to that effect. You agree there's both, um, you know, hailing and creative juices within that? Um, I could see the healing because cannabinoids, the chemicals that are in there, they're used in a variety of different things. They, uh, even in the medical community, I know that there are types that are used to treat PTSD, uh, other forms of problems there. I know that uh, they also, for instance, if someone is on chemo, it's one thing that they use because they get their appetite back and they will eat and that's good for the body, which you don't want to do when you're constantly sick under chemo. So it's got some great healing potential. If you talk about healing spiritually, I would say it's more mentally, like I was saying about being able to relax and being able to open yourself up. Yeah. That's kind of a healing. Um, but there is the problem of dependency. You True. may try and use that instead of pursuing uh, other forms such as meditation or prayer uh, instead because it makes you feel good and it's nice and easy. That's true. Uh, ritual and ceremony may seem like an archaic constructs or irrational throwbacks to old school religion. The truth is, however, that in contemporary society, it's still saturated with ritual. It's universal to the human experience. Ritual can be profoundly rational because it is often extremely effective in charging an intention, helping an individual to feel in control, reducing uncertainty or diminishing anxiety. Which, you know, I all, people always talk about anxiety when spoken the weed leaves. Ritual uh, also promotes social bonding with others. Chayatanya and his partner, Nikki Lazarito, for example, both align themselves with Canamast. You know, we gather from time to time to specifically use cannabis as a sacrament with creed and a defined ceremonial sequence. Everyone brings flour to contribute to the communal joint. So it is a big Cheech and Chong joint. We always pass to the right, pass the duchi on the, it's supposed to be the left-hand side, I think, uh, with the right hand. And with the right and left hand covering the heart, look like the, uh, look the recipient in the eye and say, Kenamast. According to Shaitanaya, the ritual can be infused into every interaction with the plant, rendering it more meaningful. Pass the Ducci on the left-hand side. I thought it was left. Do you remember that song by Musical Youth? Uh, no. 
Oh man, I wish I was a uh, great song too. Good album. Um, fuck, I'm losing my mind. Uh, I think that they're going against the nature of everything musically said in, about weed, but I could be wrong. Um, what can you do? You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, well, they got a ritual. They got to look. You look the person in the eye right, with the hand over the heart. That's some personal stuff. That's some real deal. Bring some real meaningful uh, interaction to the game. Now, Shayatanya reflects that the conscious preparation of cannabis engages their senses. The feel of the flower as it crumbles in the fingers. Sounds like a real addict. The aromas of turpentines. The oily, waxy texture of the butt on the fingers. The sound of the grind. And the meditative process of producing a well-rolled cylinder. <laughs> so the happiness you get when you roll that nice blunt or you roll that joint up nice and you go, yo, nobody does it as good as me, brother. I think that Chatananya uh, is like a Cheech and Chong type character I'm catching where they're doing cross joints and they're doing all these weird things and you know, they got trash bags over their head and astronaut helmets filled with weed. They're smoking gas masks, weed smoking. This dude's probably all over the place. When you get to the full enlightened room, that's where they break out, like, the, fi- the five-foot bongs and stuff. It's madness. Finally, smoking the joint itself is a journey, Ray. I would love to see a picture of how big this joint is. I'm I'm got a very Cheech and Chong cartoony visual in my head of this an exploration an act of consciously paying attention to how it smokes speculating on the flavors and the cultivar acknowledging the bodily sensations the changes in one one's attitude and the heightened acuity of the senses uh, spiritual intent is also woven into a cannabis shantanya and Lazaretto cultivate. When we first crack the seeds and water during the proper moon cycle in the spring. So look, at they, they're getting real technical with it. Uh, a drop of sacred water from the Holy Ganges River in India is added to each container. Uh, I've, heard, I've met people that grow weed and they're this, they're this crazy about what they do too. So it's all good. I guess just the culture, I guess. The pair then chant in the Ganja mantra over the seeds so that the power of the plant serves as a source of inspiration and insight to facilitate physical and spiritual healing. I'm with it. What do you think? I tend to think that the ritual itself is just as powerful, if not more so, than what they're smoking. Um, you, you look at history, uh, and it's all about, it's all about ritual. I mean, even if you go to uh, early Christianity, where you basically, uh, I can remember when I was young, if you take the Catholic Church, compared to now, it's very much ritualized. Yeah. Um, everything was in Latin. Um, <clears throat> they was very carefully laid out. You followed it. And you got sucked into the ritual. You got the feeling of it. It's the same thing like Gregorian chants can can take you somewhere else, even if you don't know what the words are, just the way they're done. And there's many cultures where it's it's the ritual that counts, not so much the uh, what you what you're smoking. Yeah. Now, your your typical Christian Catholic Church. Do you know what their out their opinion of uh, marijuana is? Just probably like what a drug, or what do you think? I would. I don't know. I would probably say like a drug. I mean, it's with me. It was uh, the church was a big thing growing up. Um, I got oh, let's see, 10, 12, 13 years. I was in religious schools, and well, I actually, actually, when I first started, um, I was an altar boy. I knew that. And My I, lived in, I lived in a small town, which I've since moved back to. And they, there was a church that was, uh, had a very, very heavy French population. And I learned the mass in French. 
Then when my parents moved, I had to relearn the Mass in Latin, which I did. And later on, before I left, when I uh, not left the church, but left uh, being an altar boy, uh, was about the time that they started saying Masses in English. So I had to learn the Mass in English, both the low and what they call a high Mass, and that is very big on ritual. Uh, so at one time, for a short period of time there, um, I could serve or, or a Mass or knew the Mass in French, Latin, and English. Professional. But it, it, it was the, the ritual and it was the atmosphere, it was the place that created the experience which kept me there. I support that. I definitely support that. You know, now cannabis as a teacher, you know what I mean? We also, you know, the concept of the sacred plants as a teacher isn't novel. However, contemporary spiritual proponents of cannabis are reviving this notion or at least making it more manifest. Um, cannabis is always teaching and challenging. I uh, wanted to think outside the box, said Shantiana. She has taught me about organic living soil, cultivation, regenerative agriculture, political action, uh, and a community of organizing. She has opened the door to higher awareness by altering my consciousness as an everyday psychedelic, teaching you that joy and laughter lead to compassion and understanding. I do, I, that right there is going kind of against what they were saying before, where I think uh, they, it sounds like they're using it more than the other, other group would, would, would testify to do. Um, I don't know what, you know, I fail every day is probably when they say too much, they probably, I don't know who's to say what they mean, but I do believe, and I agree, you know, teaching that joy and laughter lead to compassion, understanding for sure. I think being happy once you're happy with yourself, you are easy to accept and understand other people. I think, uh, I think that's just kind of like a maturing thing. What do you think? I agree. My only thing is if, if you get to the point where you need yeah. to smoke this, to feel that way, you're missing the point. Right. You should be able to feel that way and come to know yourself so that you don't need it to be compassionate and loving. Right. Yeah, it should be like a um, enhancer, not exactly what the reality of, of, of what it of like. It should enhance your your uh, your goodness, not kind of be the be the only time you're ever good is when it's in your type though. Um, when other than that, you're walking around like a demon. Now, Rachel Caravel, founder of Ganjazana Yoga, also views cannabis as a teacher. Uh, Caravel weaves cannabis into her yoga, mindfulness, and meditation practices to her participants access the wisdom of the plant. The ceremony she draws upon encourages practitioners to get uh, set intentions before using the plant to consume mindfully and to quiet the mind to allow teachings to be transmitted. Though it's improbable that most cannabis consumers will begin viewing their relationships with cannabis as a student-teacher dynamic, it's incontestable that what we put into our bodies influences our state of mind and consciousness. Smoking and consuming with intentions may heighten the benefits we derive from the plant, particularly if our use is uh, therapeutically motivated. Now, to go back to that thing with the cannabis as a student and teacher dynamic, I think it should be looked more as it is you are, you are both the student and the teacher. Like, I really think that it's good for almost stepping out of the situation to look at it. And with that, almost like you're able to, uh, that's what the, the, the student and the teacher combined type vibe where, um, you know, you can almost counsel yourself. You can step out and almost counsel yourself on a situation. You know what I mean? It's a weird, uh, it's a weird vibe. That's what I think it is. I think that's how it gets therapeutic and stuff like that. Now a spirit. I also, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, it's going to take a disciplined person to use it that way. Right. And if you can transfer that discipline to eventually not have to use it, that should be the point. 
A spiritual approach to cannabis could also mean that we lean forward, supporting sustainable cannabis growers or become aware of deeper meanings when we pass a joint around in a social setting. At the very least, it'll elevate our experience. That's true. I mean, you're, it all goes back to that whole thing. If you're having a good time, it's positive. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, live music, I say this to people all the time, like live music, there's an energy to it magic and beautiful things are being created right there and it sounds great you know i think it's fair i think it's therapeutic and good for people to be around music live music music in general but i think if you can get some live music in your diet i think that does something to you you know what i mean and uh it's almost got that vibe there you know now there's there's talk of people thinking you can get psychic powers from uh marijuana which is interesting. I'd be more inclined to say it's probably more like a situation where it opens maybe a door you've blocked or something. You know what I mean? Um, you let your guard down. You know what I mean? I know, uh, you know, like Ray might not like marijuana for that thing right there where you might think it might cloud your, your, your being able to put a guard up or something. You know what I mean? If, 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 if needed to uh, mentally, you know what I mean? I know stories I've heard in the past from Ray and people that, you know, have been involved in it where they try to get into Ray's head. You know, they think that they're like hot shit medium or something like that. You know what I mean? And they try and get in there and they get a little close to Ray and they try to feel him out and they want to pull some knowledge out of Ray's fucking brain without letting him know. And Ray slams the fucking door right down on him. And he's, they're not, they're not let in. They're not allowed into the situation. Um, so something like that, I think you think you think weed would kind of weaken the ability to do that for somebody that had that ability. Um, I think it, it might be difficult when you're under the influence of anything Yeah. to be able to maintain an ability. It may be used under certain limited situations to kind of open the mind or at least give you a different perspective on the mind's potential. Yeah. But if you're going to try and practice something, uh, whether it be mediumship or other type of spiritual practice and you're relying on the weed, I think that it would probably hinder you because you're not really yourself. You're in an altered state and not altered states are going to, not all of them are going to help you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. No, the psychic, I think that's, you know, on the show before I've talked about how I feel that like, you know, because, you know, the fact that we don't, we don't use our, all of our brains, there's something up with that. I don't think it's our choosing or maybe it is, but I don't think it, I almost lean more towards like the hum thing that I go with where there's like a frequency that kind of shuts it down. Um, but like, yeah, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be, you know, with something that kind of interacts with your brain so much, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it could unlock doors. You know what I mean? I think there's a trauma can unlock doors, you know, like a weird deja vu moment could unlock a door. So I think that, yeah, maybe altering your, your point of view and your thinking and your mind with something like that, then it's possible to, uh, to open up a door, you know what I mean? And maybe if you have that deep down inside you, but you just, you're afraid of it, you know what I mean? It's one of those things that you keep locked away because you're afraid of the power that comes with it. Then, you know, something like this might open your mind up to it and open the door to it. Thoughts? Well, you did, you yeah. did mention, you did mention trauma in certain native American tribes. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're talking like a shaman or, or the medicine man, yeah. quite often there is the belief that uh, when someone suffers severe trauma when they're very young, their spirit doesn't heal completely. Yeah. And that leaves them open to be able to experience more from the other side. Yeah. So, and they usually end up being your shamans or your medicine men. Because they have that connection that the trauma uh, opened up for them. And that, that's a fairly common thing where um, even today, uh, 
Um, if you're talking about psychics and you're talking with mediums, um, they can sometimes spot somebody who has had a lot of trauma because they they seem to be a natural empath or naturally see things. And then when you dig a little deeper, they had an early childhood, so they never healed from that, and that kept them open. Yeah, I think that uh, using the weed might be able to do that, but I wouldn't want to recommend anybody go out and uh, get stoned and expect a revelation. I doubt if that's going to happen. Yeah. No, I hear you on that. You know, humans like other animals are blessed with intuition. That feeling you get in your gut where you just know something to be true without reasoning. The sense that allows horses to know when a storm is coming is the same sense that lets you know who is calling before you see the caller ID. Now, psychic ability or the sixth sense is just an expansion of our uh, innate intuition, which means everyone has the potential for psychic ability, especially stoner folks. Uh, very interesting stuff. Now, the sixth sense is the psychic. Huh? I thought that was more medium-like. You know, and we've um, talked on the show before that there's a there's a thin line. You know, well, there's a line between mediums and, and psychics for sure. You know what I mean? Well, there, there's an old there's an old saying I learned early on: all mediums are psychics, not all psychics are mediums. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm with that. It's um. Battle and they battling off. But it's all good in the who, man. You know, in the super fun 1971 study on being stoned, Dr. Charles Tart found that most marijuana users believe in psychic powers and have even experienced supernatural phenomenon while high. Now, Tart even recommended that researchers looking for subjects prone to paranormal experience should consider marijuana users. Either marijuana use affects judgment such that a large number of ordinary experiences are judged to be paranormal, or there is very high uh, incidence of paranormal phenomena associated with marijuana use or both. You know what I mean? It's a pretty fair look at things, I think, uh, that he had. I'd have to go with that, you know what I mean? Tart was not a tart. Uh, He was, uh, you know... Knew his, knew his shit, you know what I mean? Definitely got down with that stuff. But I think that made a lot of sense. I think Todd's an interesting dude. I wouldn't mind checking out that book uh, to kind of get a deeper deeper vibe with that. Because that's inter- very interesting stuff, you know. Now, besides his study and that one part in uh, Doug Benson's Super Jaime, which is a weird, fun movie out there with the comedian... Uh, it's like it took it from suit the super sized music documentary about um, a dude who eats McDonald's for like a, uh, a month or something like that and fuck and documents it to show you how he like his health gradually goes down and all that bad stuff. And a comedian did one called Super High Me where he smoked weed every day for a month, which doesn't sound like that much of a feat for some people, but they made a documentary out of it and uh, it gave him a career, I believe. Hell yeah. Now, finding scientific evidences of increased psychic ability while using cannabis is difficult. Uh, parapsychology and all the fun psyche stuff that goes with it is considered pseudoscience. You know what I mean? And not everyone knows how great marijuana is yet. Those two things combined mean that not a lot of scientists are championing the bit to the research this stuff. But that doesn't mean you can't research it at home. You know what I mean? So uh, by all means, you got to start the dealio, I guess. You know, start by enhancing your own innate psychic abilities. There are a lot of great books on the subject, but there are some quick tricks that work for this guy over here, they say. I'm reading this part from an article. Now, first, consume some cannabis. So I expect this isn't mostly ghostly telling you this. This is just a researcher uh, who we're diving into his, uh, his theories Now, consume some cannabis. It's 420. Why not? Go to your local pot shop and buy some. Everyone's got one nowadays. Then consider doing some meditation, yoga, or anything that promotes physical awareness. Relaxing your body will help open your mind. Now, that's true. We we agree on that. By being present in the moment, you will be able to uh, intuit 
what is happening in and around you. Using your sixth sense is not about making something happen. It's about being open to something happening. The more you listen to your intuition, the more intuition will guide you and the more psychic experiences you will have. What's your take on what that right there, Ray? It kind of, it's one of those things where it's very ground level, I think, of um, like an obvious thing, almost like, of course, well, you figure that's what it would be. You know what I mean? Well, everything he's saying to do, you don't need the weed for. Yeah. So it's, it's making it a li- little easier. It may enhance it for some people who have problems, but you do have to be careful about becoming dependent on it for those experiences. You have to teach yourself how to do it without the weed. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird deal. What do you, what you, what do you th- what's your take on marijuana and dementia? If you, you know, with meditation, if you, you know, you, th- you, you close your eyes, put yourself in that dark, that dark place, or it could be light wherever your place is and, you know, kind of zone out. Um, I assume that would be, I don't know. That would be interesting. It, it wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't be your normal meditation process. That's for sure. Like, I don't think you'd end up wind up at the same places with both of those routes, even though you're still doing the same meditation. I think that the, the marijuana would, 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 I think influence your thought enough into kind of taking you to a different, a different place. I agree. It, it would probably take you to a different place. And I don't know if that's valid for you. If you are trying to uh, improve something, yeah. if you are trying to gain knowledge uh, and you're giving up a certain amount of meditation is a weird mix of control without control. Yeah. You allow thoughts in and then you allow them to flow through you and you dismiss them. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't I don't see where I don't know I I really don't don't know if that could really work. It would take a good working with someone who's experienced, a teacher in a controlled environment, and they would probably have to wean you off the dependency of weed to get into that state, so you could do it on your own. Yeah, yeah, I um. I agree. I think it's good for, you know, not jumping dimensions or anything like that, but I do think it's kind of would be good for like in a light dosage, like a micro dosing type deal, spiritual wise, who's trying to do a spiritual thing, probably do a, a small amount and just kind of open yourself up and, uh, and think about it. I've told people before, I think, you know, opinion of anybody that's kind of going through a dark deal or whatever, I think it's almost, it's kind of the safest way to probably take yourself out of yourself. You know what I mean? Outside of, you know, if you can actually tap in, but um, the deal of like being able to kind of look at a situation because, you know, you, you live a life and you, you see it one way, which is your way. You know what I mean? But I think that sometimes some, it, it, it's not a bad thing uh, if to use some help with something that might, help you slow down and uh, reevaluate a situation. You know, people get so kind of stuck in their ways and how it is that it's good to almost get that second opinion type deal. You know what I mean? Uh, For whatever, for whatever, you know, good or bad. But I can, I can agree with the micro dosing and a limited use. Yeah. If you need it, um, I would say first try it without and see if you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting stuff, though. But, yeah, I definitely think that there there can be ties to it. Like I said in the beginning, I think that whole opening, just the consciousness and opening up, uh, even a different, even having a different outlook on something, I think, is enough to kind of, even if, some, you know, that mood changes your outlook, so to speak. I think it, it, it has options to help you look at things in a different way, which is good. Um, and that's what I kind of mean by, like, being situations evaluating situations and stuff like that um but yeah i'd say you know don't go heavy on it and you know definitely you'd want to keep like the church vibe feels like it's just farther it's an everyday deal like you're you're gonna want to do probably times when you're when it's just cold turkey being spiritual and tapping in and then 
every now and then, I guess, if you want to take that journey into it in kind of a different route or whatever it does for you, then like try that, you know what I mean? But like, even with that, that, that like ayahuasca stuff that we talked about, that's kind of big right now. And, you know, the hallucinogenic things and, you know, they're using a lot of that stuff for therapy and stuff, um, getting over things, you know, you don't want to do that stuff every day. Like I assume doing, I assume that almost to be like acid effects, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, you do acid every day, that's going to have a serious effect on you. You know, after a while, you're probably going to go to a place that you just never come back from. Um, and I assume the same with that, like ayahuasca stuff and probably anything, really anything, anything that changes your mood. I feel if you do it, do it all the time for so long, the mood gets lost and it's a whole different thing now. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, that's my take on it. But I do think that it does, it, it, it can, it can be, it, it, it can open up some doors in the mind. I think I agree with that fully. Um, got to be careful with it. Like everything, you got to be protected. You know, you can't go wild. Um, but yeah, I think it could be used to elevate spiritualism in, in situations, but it shouldn't be the only factor to elevate it. You know what I mean? It should be a, it should be like a little plus thing. It shouldn't be the only, like it shouldn't be like, if you don't have it, it should, you shouldn't, your spiritualism shouldn't be locked off because you don't happen to have it or whatever. You know? uh, I agree. It, it can be an aid if used carefully and it can give you a different perspective, but becoming dependent on it, then you've lost the whole point of being spiritual. People would talk about like their walks with God and <clears throat> when people speak in tongues and stuff like that, and they, they, they sing in front of God uh, and they get so excited that they're singing in front of God that they do the crying thing and the speaking in tongue things. It's, it's almost like the walk, you know, your walk with God has to be there before you would do that singing and dancing and tonguing. You know what I mean? So like, it's almost like that where like, it'd be the, I guess, special moment type vibe, I guess. It's interesting. It's all interesting, but I do think it has an effect. And you agree? You, uh, what's your final verdict on, marijuana in the spiritual world I think it can be a tool but uh, only a tool to use on occasion Yeah, it's not an end in itself you've got to keep your eyes and your mind set on what the actual end and the actual goal is and if you want to help yourself along now and then then that's going to be your choice but don't lose sight of the goal and don't lose sight of where you're going and definitely don't become dependent on that as the way to reach there. Yeah. Cause then you'll never reach, then you'll never reach it. And it can become very dependent. You know, that's what I thought was so weird about the kind of almost the worshipy part of the churches that were doing it, um, where it can very easily, you know, and I'm not, I'm not giving it, hard times because everything can become, you know, dependent on things. Um, but yeah, you got to be careful with that stuff because yeah, sneak up, even the small things, you know, yeah. Yeah. Look how people coffee, like coffee is the number one thing that it's, if you don't drink coffee, you're a weirdo in the eyes of society, but that's a stimulant. You know what I mean? Smoking. Actually, I learned an interesting thing. I was reading a scientific article today. Yeah. Coffee doesn't doesn't actually give you energy. No, it tricks you into thinking you have it. <clears throat> uh, it cuts off certain things in your body that tell in the mind that tell you that you're tired. Interesting. And well, along those lines, I'm on a uh, what I call a cleanup quest. Um, I've switched over to, and some people are going to say, "No, that's not coffee," but I switched over to decaf. Yeah. Just remo removing one thing because the beans that they make the coffee from actually have some health benefits. It's the caffeine that's the downside to it. So I decided to get rid of the downside and keep the benefits. I enjoy the taste without the buzz. Mm. And uh, it's it's part of that uh, clean my body up well, that's a good thing. quest that I'm on right now. 
it's very Hal 9000 of the coffee where it's like, <clears throat> it doesn't do its job, but just like tricks you into things. It's like, it's easier just to trick them <laughs> than to do it. So let's just pull up, pull, pull, let's just shut down the things that are warning him that they're tired and they, they won't know they're tired. Yeah, and then weird. they just keep, they keep going past the point where they should. Well, they say that's the whole thing with diet, like the diet soda. It's not good for you in multiple ways because of aspartame and stuff. But even before they were talking about aspartame, it was bad news because people drink diet soda and they think that they think they're doing a really good thing. So they, they, they splurge in other places. And at the end of the day, like they almost think they're drinking health, like fucking orange juice, like healthy, something good for you by drinking the diet soda. So in their head, they splurge in other places, which isn't good. You know what I mean? I've heard that before. There's there's one advantage of going over to decaf. Yeah. Which I have been out for several weeks. Yeah. If uh, if you're out and you find out it's really late at night and you're getting really tired and you got one or two more things to do, mm-hmm. you take a sip of full-strength coffee, you're all set. That's it. You just, uh, the way it hits your body once you've been off once you've been off it, it's very, very strong. I think, well, I think that that's realistically what you should. I think with like consumerism is why you got the big gulp and stuff like that. Oh, like more for your buck. You know, I think that that's why people are used to drinking fucking a gallon of coffee. Like that ain't healthy to drink a gallon of coffee, but you go, well, I got more for my buck. So I'll just go for that. But at the end of the day, like, I think that you taking that one swig is probably realistically I'm, I'm standing right next to you. It's probably all you need. Uh, if you need it at all um, to get through it and be, you know, get the, uh, give me an XL, give me, you know, I think it's uh, it started with a coffee cup, and that was probably too much. You know what I mean? And now it's at, uh, give me a fucking 2.5 gallon of that espresso French vanilla with a fucking, I need 20 ounces. Of, give me fucking 20 ounces of that super sugar creamer, and I need like fucking 45 packets. Fuck it, it's, four, it's 420, fuck it. Give me 420 sweet and low packets on there, not sugar sweet and low packets because I want to be healthy, and uh, we'll call it a day. And you're walking out of there with your big fucking super coffee gulp, and uh, you're drinking enough coffee, and that shit don't even last you the whole day. That's gone in like five, six hours, and you're looking, you're, you're, you're smelling out another one, you're looking for another one, and meanwhile, you just drank fucking two months worth of coffee in one sitting and uh, wonder why you got anxiety. Stressed out. It's a crazy world. But yeah, sugar, man. Sugar's another one of those stimulants that are crazy. That's a drug. It's wild when you really look into the things we we partake. And I'm a culprit of it myself. I'm not preaching. Uh, I'm I'm probably worse than some of our listeners. Um, But for sure. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going into the body that nobody really needs. It's just filler and garbage that it's kind of uh, madness when you sit back and look at it. But that's what marijuana is for, I guess. Smoke some marijuana and sit back and think about all those foods that you got to have that's killing you. That's our lesson for today. And with that being said, <laughs> happy 420, everybody. And we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. (laughs) 